From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this episode, Tom Stritz, a co-founder and interim executive director of Land Bank Twin Cities, talks to FNC reporter J.D. Duggan. Stritz discusses the early days of the Land Bank and the ambitious vision he has for the organization. Hey, today we have Tom Stritz, one of the original founders of Land Bank Twin Cities and a longtime board chair for the organization. Uh, He was recently chosen as the interim executive director also. Hey, Tom, thanks for being here. Yeah, hey, J.D. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, can you start, just tell me what Land Bank Twin Cities does and, and what makes it unique? Yeah, sure. So, you know, um, during the height of the foreclosure crisis, I was the housing director for the city of Minneapolis, 2008, 2009. A lot of property that was, you know, selling in neighborhoods for 200000 The next day was selling for fifty, being bought up by, you know, um, outside investors, not necessarily with the long-term interest of the community in mind. So I did research on land banks, and there was one in Genesee County, Michigan, uh, where Flint is located. And when GM pulled out, they left a lot of vacant property. So it came, you know, I went out there and learned about it and figured that we needed a, a local solution that could step in and intervene in markets that are either in free fall or going up rapidly to capture real estate opportunities to benefit low and moderate income communities. And since that time, over the last 11 years, approximately, we've We've been involved in buying and selling over $250 million of real estate in the seven county metro area. Uh, we've developed thousands of units of affordable housing. So we buy land, um, we bank it on behalf of a developer partner, uh, typically a nonprofit like a Project for Pride Living or Common Bond or Aon. And then when they gather the funds, they come to us and we sell it back to them. We sell it to them. Um, and then we recycle the money back into the land bank to buy more land to benefit low-income people. We've expanded from housing into cultural assets. So, for example, we bought the Victoria Theater over in St. Paul and preserved it and restored it on behalf of the neighborhood. We also bought a, uh, a building, a commercial building for indigenous roots on the east side of St. Paul. Um, so they they are now the owners of it. Um, so we we intervene in the marketplace and capture real estate opportunities to benefit low and modern income people and businesses and cultural institutions as well. Yeah, very cool. Can you tell me a bit about that, the, those first couple of years? What did it take to get the land bank started? Yeah, so essentially, you know, when, as I said, we got started during the foreclosure crisis, we um, reached out to a lot of the banks um, that were um, holding the, the forfeited property. Um, I convinced six of the largest banks in America to give us a 70% um, discount on the price and certain zip codes. And we then bought them for cash within 48 hours. And then we we sold them to non-profit developers who repaired the houses to green community standards, new windows, new HVAC, new roofs. And we sold them to probably over 3,000 individual housing units, 
for low-income homeowners. Had great success, very stable, um, very few foreclosures. So that was the impetus. We really got involved in in, in the foreclosure market, particularly in low-income communities, um, and stabilized those communities, brought in new homeowners. And um, from there, you know, as the foreclosure crisis abated, we moved into commercial property as well. But we created a program called First Look Program that was replicated in 125 cities across America, where people set up these land banks to do what we created here in Minneapolis and St. Paul. So a huge success. And um, we've been going ever since. Like I said, we've expanded into commercial opportunities and cultural institutions. The common theme here, our mission is we are a nonprofit. We, we either operate in tandem with a government agency and or usually on behalf of another nonprofit organization. The most recent example, which was written up in the New York Times by Matthew Desmond, the Pulitzer Prize winning author, um, is we purchased a group of buildings in South Minneapolis called Corcoran 5. It was in the paper, often in Star Tribune, Pioneer Press. Um, you know, a landlord who was running these properties in the ground is largely undocumented workers, people living there, a la large Latino community. We purchased those properties on their behalf. They have formed a tenant organization, and they are in the process of putting together a co-op to purchase the properties back from us. So that would be a, a big real-time example of where we deployed roughly $7.5 million of our assets. Um, and uh, in the long term, we'll get paid back, and they're going to form a cooperative to run the building um, through their tenant organization. So really cool innovation. Um, the original money for the organization came from us going to banks and asking for them to provide us either grants and or very low in interest money to start repairing the communities where all these foreclosures took place. So we we were very successful at that. Today, our funding comes from a variety of actors. We get money from foundations like McKnight and Bush, St. Paul Foundations. We also get CRA money from banks. U.S. Bank is a big investor. Um, we have access to some private capital through J.P. Morgan Chase. So there's a recognition in the financial services industry that we're providing a really unique role in the community. And um, so I, I'm proud to say that, you know, we've had a lot of um, significant investment into the organization that's benefited low-income communities. Yeah. How does it benefit? I mean, what's the, what's the mission of the land bank? Yeah, the mission is to to you know intervene strategically into real estate opportunities that will benefit low and moderate income people, in particular people of color. So it's really at its core stabilization in some cases, and it's also wealth building. You know, our belief is if someone can own their own home or their own business, you know, they're going to create um, you know a, an economic base in that community that can be expanded on for other people. Um, you know, it, it gets away from the idea that just handing money cash is the answer to poverty alleviation and or building community. It's about people owning the assets in those communities. And people talk a lot about wealth building, but as core, that is a one of the central tenets of what we do is is stabilize, but also try to, to build assets within the, those communities that people themselves live their own. Yeah. Are there specific communities or neighborhoods that you have more of a focus on? Well, we've invested a lot in North Minneapolis through Green Homes North. We've bought a lot of properties there. We also, interestingly enough, we, we do a lot of mentoring and we do community lending. So we, we have um, helped launch a lot of um, developers, you know, particularly um, people of color who want to get into development. So we'll start off by maybe giving them their first loans. They buy their first couple of houses and then pretty soon 
they're they're scaling. Um, so there's a community lending aspect of what we do as well. But North Minneapolis has been a big focus um, in terms of building new sustainable green homes. North is the initiative. People want to look that up. We've been a big part of um, instigating that and um, been a partner in, in you know building many 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 homes, hundreds in North Minneapolis. We've operated a lot in the Rondo neighborhood in St. Paul. Um, but interestingly enough, JD, also for the listeners out there, is we've also, we intervene in markets that are very robust, like Adina. We have purchased property there on behalf of nonprofit developers. And then as we, we buy the property, they go out and get tax credits, bonds, investors. And two or three years later, they come to us and they buy the property from us. And um, so we we step in in a way that nonprofit developers just simply don't have access to capital or cash, and it takes a while to put deals together. So we've done a deal across from Southdale uh, Mall in uh, Adina on 66th Street. We bought a, a former medical building um, on behalf of Beacon, which is a nonprofit homeless pro- provider. We bought the building. They they would have never sold it to them. They called us and said, "Look, they won't sell to us. They don't like us. They don't want you know. They don't like our vision." So. Frankly, we said, step back, we'll step in. We formed an LLC. We bought the property. Then Beacon raised the money, and uh, they, we have a beautiful new homeless youth facility across from Southdale Mall in Edina. We also built, uh, bought a big parcel, the former uh, Lewis Jimmy Jam Studios, and that's now Aon is developing an affordable housing in Edina. So it's not just stabilization in low-income communities, but it's also creating opportunities for low-income people to live in other communities that may have more wealth. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, do you see this model of, of land banking? Is it a growing thing? Absolutely, yeah. And so since we started 11, 12 years ago, there's been many, many land banks formed around the country. We get calls all the time about, you know, how do you do it? How does it work? Um, so it's a it's a growing movement. And one of the things we're engaging in now, JD, is strategic planning, and we're considering expanding our land banking to uh, be statewide. There's a huge need for affordable housing and stabilization in our rural communities. Um, and there's a dearth of um, experience often, right, in doing these kind of deals. So that's on the horizon for us um, to, to, you know, take what we do, this model, to new communities. Um, and we've also been asked to get involved perhaps in saving manufactured home parks. There is North Country Cooperative, which has now been purchasing private manufactured home parks around the state. And then they they buy them and then they form cooperatives so that the people who own the trailers, so to speak, the manufactured homes and don't own the land actually become owners of the land as well through a cooperative. So, which is something I'm very excited about. People often don't think about manufactured housing parks, but they drive by them and go, wow, you know, okay. Um, what they probably don't realize is that people don't own the land underneath it. They just own the unit itself. And so these limited equity co-ops make them into owners of the land underneath where their their housing unit exists. So that's another, I think, exciting um, opportunity to preserve affordable housing and stabilize it. Yeah. I've been talking to a lot of rural Minnesota communities about, you know, it's difficult to bring developers in because the ROI just isn't there. Right. Um, so I imagine that land bank model can really help to solve some of those issues. Absolutely. And, and what it does is it, it, it buys time for the local, maybe small developer or the small interested community that doesn't have a lot of resources to pull the resources together. 
And then one thing I'd say that's really unique and really important for us to focus on right now is that the state of Minnesota just made a historic $1 billion investment into affordable housing. Um, there's a lot of money, um, billions a lot with a B, and that's all going to be directed to affordable housing in the state of Minnesota. So we're going through the bill understanding where we fit in. Land banking is a part of that. Land trusts are a part of that. Community stabilization is a part of that. But I think, you know, we, we owe it to the rural part of our state as well to make sure that, um, that we're there helping them solve their local problems. And I think that's a big growth opportunity for the organization and for us to benefit people throughout the state. But that, that historic $1 billion investment is going to be a game changer for the next three, four, five years in our communities. Yeah. Speaking of the legislature, there was a lot of discussion about the conversion of single family homes into rentals. Do you guys ever, do you delve into those conversations or work to avoid that conversion? Do you, do you have any association with that? Well, so nationally, there is a movement, and I think a lot of your listeners may be familiar with it. A lot of private equity firms are moving into buying housing stock in communities throughout America. So BlackRock is the most kind of notorious. Um, they, they're sole interest in buying housing is making money. So they're buying a lot of housing, single family homes and low income communities and converting them to rental. And, um, you know, there's, you know, that's been a part of America for a long time. I mean, private ownership, I get it. At the same time, it's, it's tipping real estate markets in a really treacherous way for low income renters. And, you know, we intervene in the marketplace and buy property that benefits the, you know, we have a long-term view of community benefit. And so I think we're a countervailing force to that private equity rushing in, buying up homes, converting them to rental, and then basically capturing a piece of the market that's so large, low-income people don't have choices about who they rent from. They're jacking rents. Um, big stories in the New York Times about this, in Phoenix, in Cleveland. It's, it's happening across America, Atlanta. So I think Land Bank is one solution to kind of um, provide options to communities where big institutional investors are coming in. Yeah. Tell me about your organization's next three months or so in the comprehensive planning process that's happening right now. Yeah. So we've engaged Ecotone, which is a, uh, international kind of consulting firm that started here in Minneapolis that basically maps social return on investment or SROI. You mentioned ROI earlier. There's something called social return on investment as well, SROI. Um, they map that. They're, we're creating value maps. We have some already on our website. If people want to go to it, landbanktwincities.org, to see you know where we intervene and the results of our intervention. But what we want to do with the board here over the next 90 days, 120 days, is is really kind of revisit our mission and vision and say is is you know based on all our success, is this still the right fit? Um, how are we going to tap into this billion dollars strategically that's coming into the community? Um, where's opportunities for us to grow uh, to help other communities? As I said, the statewide focus it would probably be a big one for us, you know, moving into that realm. Um, partnering with local partners on land trust. So there are two land trusts. There's the Rondo Land Trust in St. Paul. There is the City of Lakes Land Trust in Minneapolis. Um, there's a lot of interest in land trust. So I think we'll be moving more aggressively into that field, that area. Um, so those are some of the big things on the horizon, you know, geographical expansion, tapping into the billion dollars, partnering with land trusts and manufactured home parks. Yeah. Um, sorry if this is redundant, but well, I mean, what's your vision of what the land bank can be? 
Yeah, here's what I'd say, you know, when uh, my friends ask me and I talk to people, they say, what is the land bank? And kind of what's the core unique value add is that the land bank is a, is a tool that a developer or a community or a neighborhood, a city or a county can pick up and say, we, we don't have the expertise or the capital to do this really important real estate investment to benefit low and moderate income people in our community. We can provide a solution. We're a lender. We're also a, a land bank, you know, buying whole real estate. But at our core, we're a bank that takes risks banks won't take, period. We yeah. will take on deals. Corcoran 5, Wells Fargo, nothing against any of them. U.S. Bank would have never touched that. So we are a bank that takes risks that banks won't take. We're a community-based financial institution that will take risks, for example, by buying the Victoria Theater, buying the building Indigenous Roots was in buying Corcoran Fives, putting $7.5 million on the line saying, we think tenants can organize in a way that they can own all this property. And we have had absolute success. We've had not had any substantial and ever go bad. So literally, I would say we are a bank that doesn't think or act like a bank in the, in the, to, the to the degree that we're willing to take risks that other banks simply won't take. Um, and that's the core, the essence of Land Bank Twin Cities. Yeah, so you said they're, really hasn't been a failure with that. I'm wondering, is that because you guys aren't seeking a profit out of it? And it's just, you know, if this is, if this creates a good thing and we don't lose a ton of money, it's a success. I think we're patient. A lot of banks want the money sooner rather than later. If we give someone a a loan for a year or or land bank for a year and they, and this often happens, they come back to us and said, we haven't raised the money yet. We need another year. We'll give them another year. Okay. So that's something that banks typically don't like to do. Or if they do, they'll say, yeah, We'll give you another year, but we're going to raise the interest rate 3%. We also have money that we can loan at a much lower rate than any banks because we're getting money at 0%, you know, either through a grant or 1% through a PRI, which is a program-related investment. So we have flexible money. We also provide a total solution, um, and we're patient. The total solution being we can help mentor people on how to property manage, um, technical assistance to understand how to access government funds for improvements such as new roofs, new HVAC, new windows. A big component of what we also do is that everything we touch and invest money in, we bring it up to green community standards, which means it's sustainable for 30 years. If we bring someone into home ownership, they know that HVAC is set. They got great windows and a great roof. So we're about long-term sustainability. So we take the long view and we're patient and we're community-based. That's the biggest difference. Yeah. Awesome. Um, probably my last question, but can you tell me about some of the partnerships and work that you have going on right now? Maybe what kind of success you're seeing or uh, with uh, the Victoria Theater, um, your project with Habitat for Humanity, and I think you have um, some stuff going on with Build Wealth Minnesota also. Yeah, so um, I think one of the big things on the horizon right here right now is we're looking at acquiring a part uh, a portfolio of real estate in Minneapolis, roughly around 280 units. Uh, many of those will be duplexes. The, the idea behind our program with these duplexes is to buy them, bring them up to green community standards, and then sell them to a lower moderate income person who can then you live in one half of the duplex, take the rent from the other half, you know, bring in someone, maybe even intergenerational, a mom or an aunt or a kid or a grandma. That rent then helps stabilize that household, right? So they're building wealth together, mm-hmm. often intergenerationally. Um, we're going to do hundreds of those in Minneapolis. Um, it's a way of creating wealth. It's called also we're preserving what's called naturally affordable, uh, you know, uh, housing, NOAA, they're calling it naturally occurring affordable housing. 
Habitat Humanity is going to take part of that portfolio and make people into homeowners in some of the single family homes we buy. Um, so it's a little bit of everything in the sense that we're going to create new homeowners. We're also going to try to create this new duplex program where someone can use the rental income from the one unit that they're not living in to stabilize their house and get some, build some equity and maybe have more intergenerational living as well. So um, it's, it's, it's really about, you know, trying to fit the needs of the communities we operate in. Um, it's also really trying to, to help people who have the opportunity, if given the right tool, to build wealth with homeownership, businesses, you know, and I think that that's one of the big evolutions and thinking since I've been involved in this work for over 35 years is, you know, cash assistance used to be the way we thought about alleviating poverty, but now we're getting a little bit more creative and I think a little bit more longer term looking by saying, maybe at least one of the big answers is to make sure that people own the places they live and work, if possible. Um, to create wealth in that community itself rather than than through some other cash assistance that tends to be temporary. We're taking the long view. We're taking risk. We're innovating. Um, Corcoran 5 is one great example. Victoria's Theater is one great example. There are many, um, you know, whether it be the Beacon Project that I'm proud of, you know, across from Southdale, you know, not just working in low-income communities, but creating opportunity for people in higher-income communities as well. So there's a lot of just endless possibility here. And I think that um, we're excited about the future. We're growing and uh, invite anybody out there who's interested to, to reach out to us at, uh, you know, landbanktwincities.org. And if they have a need or a question, happy to engage. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Tom, I don't have any other questions. Uh, was there anything you wanted to add that I didn't ask about? No, JD, I just think at the end of the day, um, you know, we're this unique tool. We're out here. We're always looking for partners and um, and um, looking forward to the future and expanding um, this unique service we provide. Awesome. Very cool. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Thanks, JD. Great. Take, Take care. See ya.